David Ford preaches in citywide crusades, churchwide conventions, Christian colleges and universities, as well as at many other venues throughout the United States and overseas. In 1983, he traveled with Dr. Stephen Olford throughout the country and has ministered on platforms with him before his homegoing in 2004. David Ford is the founder of Globe for Christ International, and he's our guest today on Mid-South Viewpoint. David, welcome to the program. Thank you, Byron. Pleasure to be here. I was really thrilled when I, I saw the connection with Dr. Stephen Olford, a personal friend of mine. Okay, good. And we had many great encounters together. Matter of fact, the name of his <laughs> radio show was Encounter, Encounter Ministries. Encounter Ministries. Right. But he was my friend, Miss Heather Olford, three mm-hmm. months before she passed. She was in the studio where you are today. She had just written oh, her book, and we did an interview together. I'll okay. cherish that moment, cherish the times I had with Dr. Olford in his library at the Olford Center, and I know that he was a dear friend of yours. Very much so. As a matter of fact, I learned about broadcasting way back in 83. They brought Dr. Olford into Portland, Maine to do a preaching institute of about, with about 200 pastors there. And I met the senior bot. I don't what's his name? Dick the, Bott. Yeah, Dick Bott, the dad. Yeah, he yeah. was there. Okay. And in fact, they invited me to come on and have a program where I would interview authors of books, you know. I didn't feel led to at the time, but I was very impressed and blessed by Bot Broadcasting it back in 83. Wow, that's a great story. Yeah, I got connected with the Bot family when they moved to Memphis in 1986, actually, when I was working for the Christian Station prior to their arrival. They hired me here to stay on, and so I worked for about seven, eight years and then left and went with a ministry called Transworld Radio, yeah. moved to the island of Guam with my family, returned to Memphis back in the early 2000, wow. and the Bot family offered me a position to come back. So I've been right here. Excellent. You know? Good. You're old as dirt then, aren't you? <laughs> that's, a, that's exactly right, Dave. I'm old as dirt. Well, let's find out some of the backstory of David Ford. Where did you grow yeah. up? Uh, kind of all over, really. I was born in Springfield, Missouri. And uh, dad would start or take churches throughout the country, and so we would move off and on. So your dad was an evangelist? He was evangelist at times, but he was more of a church planner. And uh, he would start churches, and we would be there until it got going, and then we would move on, and someone else would come and take it. As a small child, David, just looking at your dad's ministry, when you were mm-hmm. old enough to understand what your dad did, right. what he was doing, right. what are some impressions, what are some things that stood out to you about the way he did ministry? i tell you what grabbed me growing up uh, from my father and my mother was their prayer lives. And I, to watch them pray and to, uh, to hear mom pray at the kitchen table, to hear their intimacy with the Lord and uh, how close they were to the Lord. And I watched people in church pray. You know, they prayed in church back then, yeah. <laughs> verbally, yes, <laughs> in front of the, you know. And so and I would see altar calls and, and I would see people weeping on the altars. When they had altars, or I sit behind the pianist. We'd have a, we'd have a guest pianist or something, and I sit there and I'd watch them play that piano, and I'd watch their foot, and when they push, you know, hit the pedal, and just all kinds of things. And so I was raised in the atmosphere. Really, uh, it, it really. It, I remember my dad's sermons, but it, it was more of his prayer life that I that stands out the most to me. And it, and also his great sense of humor. <laughs> you know, there was a good balance in the home. Yeah, that's powerful. You know, recently my mom is still here. She's uh, soon to be 82. She's 81 now, still works four days a week. Wow. The other day, I some days you just don't feel good. Right. I just said, Mom, I'm not feeling good. Would you pray for me? Yeah. And she came over, laid her hands on me, and yeah. started praying. It was so powerful to yeah. hear your parents pray. When my dad passed away in 01, April of 01, I felt the absence of his prayers. And the last time we were together, 
we had quite a long season of prayer together, and he prayed over me. Well, wow. I'll never forget the feeling of his left hand on my right shoulder as he would squeeze yes. my shoulder and pray. Oh, my. I've never forgotten that. And that was the last time I saw him. As you well know, David, we're so jacked up in this country right now. It's chaos around the world. I'm wondering, is it because parents aren't praying? We're not mm-hmm. praying? Well, I, I tell you what, it's amazing. You could, you could have a show at a church and you can fill the house, but you have a prayer meeting and you can't even fill the vestry. And the Lord said, my house should be called the house of prayer among all nations. But you made it a den of thieves. And I've wondered, you know, all the applications of being a thief, stealing God's time, stealing God's glory, stealing, stealing God's honor by the lack of prayer. You reveal how much you really believe and trust God by prayer. I remember years ago when, when the Lord opened the doors to go speak at Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia. And the Lord laid on my heart very clearly, if these students can catch not just be taught it, but catch it. <laughs> if they could catch the spirit of prayer, it doesn't matter where they go in the world. The hand of God will sustain them, and they'll know how to rely upon the hand of God for everything and the heart of God for everything. And I stood up to speak, and when I did, I said a few words of greetings, and God said, now you pray first. I want to show them my presence in prayer. And I mean, Byron, the hand of God set down on that arena. And when I did begin to try to preach, they started flooding to the, to the floor, no invitation given. They filled the whole entire floor. I quit preaching. I called the praise team to come back to the platform. Because the burden of what God wanted to show them was, listen, it's it's that intimacy into me he sees. It's that closeness to the heart of God drawn near by the blood. And it's his presence that sustains them wherever they go in the world. Five years later, I was asked to come back, 8,500 students. The same exact thing happened again. No invitation given. I pray, we give, I began to open the word to, to preach, and they began flooding to the floor without an invitation. I had to quit preaching again, and I jumped off the platform, and I got down there among them. And there were water puddles all over the floor of how God came to liberty and revival. Well, wow. You know, David, Ephesians 1 talks about these spiritual blessings that right. we have in Christ. One, three, yeah. It's like a rolling flow there as Paul speaks of these things, and it's It's almost like a song. It really is. It really is. And it's from that, Byron, like you're saying. It's from that. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Yes. And so it's not praying for that. We have that in Christ. It's praying from that. It's praying from his indwelling sufficiency, from his indwelling presence, from a posture of victory, from a position of having authority with Christ, because we're praying in his name. It's a delegated authority by which we pray. And that's what makes prayer effectual and transforming. So you think, David, that we as a church have gotten some things backwards then, maybe? We really do. I recall saying years ago, Byron, I would hear a lot of preaching. It was how to, how to, how to, how to, how to. Great sermons. But if you're just preaching Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, the how to's, and you don't have 1, 2, and 3, then you don't have the foundation and the power and the impetus of four, five, and six. Yes. And all that becomes then is just carnal power, soul power, man trying to make this happen. And that's why people fail. There's no dynamic of the indwelling Christ doing four, five, and six of Ephesians, for an example, if you don't understand one, two, and three. So when did you discover one, two, and three? When <laughs> was, <laughs> was there a point in your life that you were just – stuck in the rut as many are in their faith. Well, it's by the grace of God, obviously, alone. But I'll never forget when I was in junior high school 
in a church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And they had a leadership training thing. I was the run of the litter. They called me the run of the litter. But we had to memorize scripture. But I remember going to the Bill Gothard seminars when I was a kid. And you talk about obeying the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And that grabbed my attention. I'd hear about Whitfields and all these men men of God, women of God that God used mightily. They knew how to hear from God. I read at one point Touching the Invisible by Norman Grubb, an excellent book on prayer and moving in faith. But it was in a tree. (laughs) There used to be a tree that I would climb, and I would sit in that tree, and I would talk to God day in and day out. And I would weep and cry and pray and laugh and sing. And I, I probably made the birds go crazy with my voice, you know. But but it was a, it was a treat. It was getting that place alone with God, and it was it was it was the the encouraged and taught discipline of having a daily quiet time with the Lord and don't ever miss. Yeah. So you're a tree climber too. I was then. I, Not now, man. No, I'd break a limb. <laughs> man, I, I'm with you. But growing up, I would climb as high as I could. Uh, yes. That was freedom there for me. Yeah. And really, that was early before I was a follower of Christ. I right. came to Christ as a teenager, about 16. Okay. But in a single-parent home, very dysfunctional, that was kind of my getaway. Mm-hmm. And I would just like to climb as high as I could mm-hmm. to a tree and just mm-hmm. sit for hours. Let the wind blow, whatever mm-hmm. it did. But another tree climber that God used in a mighty way, and still does, George Verwer, the founder of Operation Mobilization, the group I went with back in college. George liked to climb trees. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, you get way up there. I I remember distinctly in California when I was a kid, climbing a tree so far up, it scared me (laughs) because there's no one to get me down. But But to this day, I've never, because what it taught me was, David, take one move at a time to get back down. Yeah. One foot, one hand, the other foot, another hand. And it taught me to break down the big challenges of life into small increments. And before you knew it, I was back on the ground again. Well, you know, there's so, a life lesson. Yeah, and there's so <laughs> much fear and depression in people's lives today. Right. Because there's this big whatever they're mm-hmm. facing, mm-hmm. and they don't know how to break it down. They don't have any hope to break it down. No, no. I tell you, Psalm 23 is a as we people listening, and you, we've all read for years, and most have probably memorized it. But when he says he restores my soul, Philip Keller in his book, The 23rd Psalm, he says that what that's the picture of is a sheep would be out in the field somewhere and they'd have so much wool that sometimes they lay down on the ground or there would be a depression in the ground and they would roll over into that hole on their back and they couldn't get back on their feet again. They call that casting when the sheep is cast. Well, that's very pictographic of David's words. Why art thou cast down, O my soul. Why are you disquieted within me? And the way the shepherd knew a sheep was cast, they'd see the buzzard flying way out there somewhere over, and they knew there was a problem out there. So the shepherd would come, and that's the beautiful picture. I can't get myself off of my back, but we have a good shepherd that will get us off of our back. But he wants us to come to the place of absolute powerlessness in ourselves to resurrect ourselves so that we can experience his resurrection power. I love what Dr. Oford, we talked about him a while ago. He used to say that the adversities of life are like the nails that hold us to the cross so that in in crucifixion we can experience resurrection power in life. Yes. makes me think of those verses out of Romans chapter 4 beginning in chapter 5 of Romans. Mm -hmm. And as it talks about our faith Mm -hmm. and knowing that that's settled, it goes on because it talks about the tribulation. Chapter 5, right. It talks about how important – 
that is into our character building and perseverance. Yes. Because the love of Christ has been shed abroad in In our our hearts. hearts. Yes. I had a man at a conference one time say, you know, I was ministering there, and he was too, and he made the comment that he didn't know if he ever loved God a day in his life and how horrible his old nature was. I almost wanted to shout, then you need to get saved. (laughs) Because if you're born again, the love of God has been poured out in your heart by the Holy Spirit. And think of those words in Romans 4. He staggered not at the promise of God, Abraham. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was being strengthened in faith, giving while he was giving glory to God in the literal, being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. So the key to a lot of this gets right back again to that quiet time with the Lord. Yes. Learning and knowing how to hear from God through the pages of Scripture. Knowing the voice of God. If you're going to meet the devil at 11, you better prepare at least by 7. <laughs> but Jesus, he says, morning by morning, he opens my ear. He said, I wasn't rebellious. Jesus had the daily quiet time where he heard from the Father. In Mark one thirty-five, of course, in the morning rising a great while before day, he departed, went to a solitary place and prayed. Morgan says, as was his usual custom, but even Jesus had an ear to hear the voice of God. This is fascinating, Byron, because when you think about Galatians, Paul's words, he that works miracles among you and he that ministers the spirit unto you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? See, often people want to minister the spirit to people in their preaching and ministry, but they're doing it by the works of the law, not by the hearing of faith. And hearing the voice of the prompting of the Holy Spirit from the Word of God by the, in the person of the Holy Spirit, that's how you minister the Holy Spirit to the people. Acts 10, Peter preached, the Spirit fell upon the people. That's what people are hungry for. They are sick and tired of just our theological sermons. They want what George Whitfield said, I preach a felt Christ. And that's what needs to happen in our pulpits today. And you mentioned knowing how to hear his voice. Right. I think if we would get comfortable hearing mm. that voice, right. we would want more of it. That's exactly right. I remember asking the Lord years ago, I said, Lord, people sometimes ask, how do you know the voice of God? And I said, Lord, what, what do I say? And he reminded me that when we have our daily quiet time, let's in the morning, you got your Bible, a quiet place, a yielded, surrendered, honest heart before God. And you pray the prayer of David in the Psalm 5, that early in the morning will I seek you, my soul thirst for you. He said, my voice shall you hear in the morning, in the morning will I direct my prayer. That word direct means to lay in order. I'll direct my prayer unto you, and we'll look up its expectation. So you know how you've asked God to speak to your heart, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And you've asked God to open your eyes and speak to your heart, and you begin to read the passage of Scripture. And all of a sudden, Byron, you know how it is. You get to verse 3, and it jumps off the page. And if you try to read further, it kind of dies on you. That's the voice of the Spirit of God. And so here's the thing. If if, if we can, as the body of Christ, as individuals, can learn to know the promptings and the leadership of the Holy Spirit in that morning quiet time, when you discipline your spirit to know his voice then, then you'll know that voice later in the day as well. So it begins in that time in the Word of God, knowing the voice of the Spirit through the text of Scripture. David, I also want to talk about your trip to Washington, which you are heading that way this weekend. It's the Global Day of Prayer and Repentance. Mm-hmm. It's called The Return. 
to reach beyond the borders of America and gather all nations. Mm-hmm. People all across the country are coming. There's a venue, of course. There's some events uh, taking place on Friday night Correct. and then all day Saturday. Mm-hmm. You'll be participating in that. Why is it so important for this global day of prayer and repentance? Well, Jonathan Kahn, many are familiar with his books today, and then Kevin Jessup, a dear brother in Christ, walks with God and uh, has been involved in tremendous ministries in Africa over the years. They're so burdened not only of the biblical calendar of what's happening in the world today, but also the necessity of the church returning to the Lord in repentance. God said, return unto me, and I will return unto you. So I think sometimes you want to sit back and wait for the sovereign moving of the hand of God. Well, God already sovereignly said, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven will forgive their sin and heal their land. So this whole gathering is the calling of the body of Christ to come together in repentance. It's not a day of high praise. That can come later. The deeper the repentance, the greater the glory. And often we don't want to repent very deeply because it's like in real revival, there's two layers of the convicting of the Spirit of God. There's the convicting of the outer layer of prayerlessness and sin or your thought life. And often we're willing to confess those things. Then the Spirit goes deeper and it begins to convict of self-righteousness, self-effort, self-glory, the self-life. And that's where the old nature wants to rise up and go, not me, baby. But that's what we must repent of is the rule of the old nature. There's a little poem. I love it. It says, in every heart, there's a cross and a throne. Either Christ is on the cross and the I is on the throne or the I is on the cross and Christ is on the throne. Let's break down, if we can, in the remaining moments, David, the word repent. We know it's in the Bible. Right. It's not a comfortable word. No. It goes deep. Right. We're not a people who want to repent. No, we're not, because our old nature is very. Our old nature is the is the is it's the old nature. It's pride in our hearts, and pride, just like Haman, never wants to bow. Pride hates Mordecai, like the symbol of the Holy Spirit in that book. Pride hates any anything like that. Galatians. Walk on the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh wars against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Five of the seven churches Jesus told to repent. All throughout the Old Testament, Gospels, all the way into Revelation, he's calling the whole world to repent. Some say, well, repentance isn't for today because in the book of John, it's only believed there's no repentance. The book of John is presenting a legal case on who Jesus is. That's why it's not there. But take John, the same author of the book of John, and go to Revelation, who the, the same author of that book. And in two places, he talks about how the world would not repent. Doesn't say believe, it says repent. So repentance and faith are very tied together. And so the calling of it and returning unto the Lord, 1 Corinthians 7, what, what vehemence, what desire, what you hate it, you hate your sin. Here's the thing, when you realize that sin separates us from God, and we've been estranged by our sin, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your sins have separated between you and your God. And the remedy to that is the blood of Jesus, and the way to come to him is through repentance and faith. If you go back to the old Hebrew word for repent and go back to Hebrew word pictures where the letters were actually pictures. I won't go into the letters. But what it literally meant was to leave nothing to go back to, nothing behind the head. What the the picture is, you've left nothing to go back to. When you've truly repented, 
you've left nothing to go back to. So you burn the bridges. You, you burn the bridge. You burn the house. It's a picture of burning the house behind a man's head. You leave nothing to go back to. And that's a gift, is it not, Timothy, that God may give us the gift of repentance and the acknowledging of the truth? So unless God on Saturday gives us the grace to repent, we can't even repent on our own. We're absolutely dependent upon God to draw us back to him. And repentance is our response to the drawing of the Spirit of God to repent. David, you mentioned on your website, the message is Christ and him crucified, Mm -hmm. which equals true Christianity is not you and I trying to copy an historical Christ who lived 2,000 years ago. It is Christ Jesus presently living his life in us and through us. Yes, sir. It's an exchanged life. As a believer in Christ, it's, it's, as Ian Thomas used to say, it's his deity clothed with our humanity. That is Christianity. It's him living his living life through us in resurrection power. And how do we live in that? By a moment, by a moment. I like what one brother said years ago to Campbell Morgan. Two words, abandonment and abide. He said there's the abandonment to the lordship of Jesus Christ. There's an abandonment to the moment by moment filling in the fullness and freshness and fragrance of the Holy Spirit. And then there's the continual abiding in that abandonment. So I love the passage in Romans 8 about they that mind the things of the Spirit. That word mind there literally means in the literal to be intent upon and attentive to. And if you and I, if if the believer would be intent upon the Holy Spirit and attentive to the Holy Spirit, I've learned that when I'm intent upon the Holy Spirit, I only see Jesus because he reveals Jesus. And so it's a principle. Now, the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit is Lord, there's liberty and freedom. And when you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Exactly. It's not us trying to fight the flesh. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's saying yes to the Holy Spirit. Yes. Oh, I love this. (laughs) That's liberating. And Jesus did not come to make bad men good. He came to make dead men alive. Yes. And I believe the church is full of people who are still dead. They're religious Byron, they know all the words, they can, they can answer your questions, but their spirit is still dead to God. I'll never forget the short version of in Mississippi. I was asked to pray before a meeting was beginning and another, someone else was preaching that revival. I wasn't, but I knew the people there had been there before. A lady asked me to talk to her husband, went to the cemetery behind the church. We began to pray and he began to pray after me. I didn't know he was going to do that. And God led him a heart, Romans ten thirteen. And he prayed with me, whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The third time he prayed that, he said, oh, it happened. I said, what happened? He said, I just got saved. Because <laughs> we're born again by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. We went back. His wife followed me out. She wanted to go talk as well. She thought she was saved. The exact same thing happened to her. She got, they call it the, the graveyard revival. I love it. But it was, the whole, it was the Holy Spirit taking the word of God, quickening faith in their heart as they cried out God's word. You say, is there a sinner's prayer in the Bible? You bet there is. Romans ten thirteen. God, you said whoever, and I'm whoever, shall call on the name of the Lord. And God, I'm calling on your name, the name of Jesus, shall be saved. Shall be saved. And he'll do the work. He'll do the saving. It's all of his grace. All of his grace. God's grace, wonderful grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Oh, it's beautiful. Pray so, for us for Saturday for this beginning yes. on the return. I appreciate it. I, I'm scheduled to pray four times at the event. I saw that. But I feel, I'm feeling not the worry, but the responsibility. One of many representatives on that platform to go before Almighty God in repentance 
for our sins as a nation and as a world. We've offended a holy and righteous God, and we must repent. We are at a pivotal moment in our nation, in our world. Jesus is the answer. Yes, sir. David, this has been great. Thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you so much. So if folks want more information about your ministry, how to keep up with what your travels are, what can they do? Well, on the travels, the easiest thing is Facebook, David Ford Today. No spaces. I didn't know what I was doing when I got on Facebook. (laughs) David Ford Today. That's the quickest way. And the website too, right? Globeforchrist.com. And this ministry takes you all over the world. Yes, sir. Traveling the world. All over the world. I've been all over South Africa. I've been to Ireland and Wales and Korea and Canada and the U.S. and all over. Where's home? Where's uh, your home base? Phoenix, Buckeye, Arizona. Phoenix, Arizona area. <laughs> Get back home very often? I, well, without COVID, I don't. I yeah. used to have on the road about nine months of the year. And so I have a second base in Rome, Georgia. Some friends built a place for me there. David, as we say goodbye today, would you pray for our listeners, pray for our nation, put a, a bowl on this time together with prayer? Sure, Byron. Father, I come before your throne, Lord, and I bend my soul before you. And Lord, I lift up the body of Christ and everyone listening, that you didn't give us the spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. But Lord Jesus, I pray right now, your peace, your peace into the hearts and lives and circumstances of everyone listening right now, that you're on the throne, you haven't left, you haven't said oops, the cross is bare, the tomb is empty. And your throne is occupied. Thank you for the hope you've given us, both steadfast and sure. And I pray the mercy and grace of God over everyone listening today. Meet them, Jesus. Jesus, meet them wherever they are in their circumstances right now. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Yes. Amen. Amen. God bless you, my dear brother, David Ford. Thank you for what you're allowing Christ to do through you, through the ministry, and for his kingdom. Amen. It's all about him. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Today's Mid-South Viewpoint is brought to you by Navage. Just think about all the nasty stuff we breathe in every day. You know, the dust, allergens, bacteria, pollen, pollution. You know the things in Memphis air. What are we breathing? Well, if you wash your hands and brush your teeth every day, then why aren't you cleaning your nose to clean out all that junk that's trapped up in there? Let me tell you about this product. If you suffer from allergies, sinus infections, or are worried about what you're breathing in, it's called Navage. N-A-V-A-G-E. What's Navage? Well, it's the world's only nose cleaner with powered suction. People that have suffered from lifelong allergies call Navage a complete game changer. They are breathing more clearly, sleeping better, snoring less, and feeling a whole lot better. In fact, 90% of people who use Navage report feeling healthier. Now with cold and flu season just around the corner, why not make Navage part of your daily health routine? Experience what it's like to truly breathe better, sleep deeper, and feel healthier. Go ahead and visit Navage.com. That's Navage.com. Or you can find Navage at Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, Bed Bath & Beyond, and Target. Navage. N-A-V-A-G-E. N-A-V-A-G-E.